Thanks for checking out the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. This is a conversation all about leadership, vision, and joining in God's activity wherever you are. You can find the show notes, links, and other helpful resources at hopechurchlv.com slash podcast, YouTube, or on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, welcome to another episode of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Whether you are listening or if you are joining us right here on YouTube, this is our third or fourth YouTube video that we've done of the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Glad you guys are enjoying it. Um, We are here. We're recording this early, Vance, because um, you are on an extended sabbatical this summer. And so this is actually September of 2021. We're actually recording it a couple months early. Um, but you are actually in real time getting ready to head back here to Hope Church after an extended sabbatical. (laughs) You don't look as rested right now as you will when you come back. But as always, I'm here with the man, the myth, the legend, my pastor, my mentor, my friend, Pastor Vance Pittman. How is it going, Vance? It's going good. I am, like you said, a couple of weeks from uh, wrapping some things up and getting out of here for a few weeks after 20 years, the church has offered me the opportunity for an extended sabbatical, which I'm really looking forward to. So like you said, I don't feel as rested as I wish I felt by the time this will play. But hopefully by the time uh, you say I'll be about a week from coming back, I say a week from coming back or a week from announcing my retirement, I don't know what I'll be doing. But uh, all the hope people just panic when they're listening to this. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but uh, hopefully by the time this airs in September, everybody's excited about the fall with the football season. Hopefully everything is uh, back to as normal as we could hope things will be by then. And hopefully by the time this plays, the Vegas Golden Knights have won a Stanley Cup. So we'll see. Yeah, and definitely the Dallas Cowboys will be gearing up for their Super Bowl run for the 2021. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I can't it'll even be, get it out of my It'll mouth, be still man. early enough in the year that they're not saying wait for next year yet. So that, that's a good thing. You know it's bad when I literally can't <laughs> even say it without laughing. That's great. Um, man, today, as you saw in the title. By we, the way, before you go there, I, I guess you saw uh-oh. the Julio Jones statement, like, I didn't. Uh, Shannon Sharp live called him on air on Fox Sports and said, man, rumors are you're out of Atlanta. He said, I'm out. And he said, well, what about the Cowboys? He said, no way am I going to the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) Not even even remotely on his list because he said, I want to win now, and that ain't the Dallas Cowboys. We don't need you. you, Julio, (laughs) if you're listening, we don't need you, bro. That's right. Uh, If you saw, we got to get to some actual podcast content today. If you saw on the on the title, um, I don't know. Every a couple times a year, we do something that I actually got the idea off another podcast I listened to, uh, but it's called the Three Minute Drill. And so this is the fourth volume of our Three Minute Drill. And basically, what we do is we ask you listeners questions. We ask some of our staff team questions. People here in Las Vegas, people who are listeners around the country and around the world. Um, what are some things that you would like for Vance to address? Maybe it doesn't give, uh, it's something that wouldn't be necessarily a whole episode, but uh, something that in three minutes or less, um, or or maybe sometimes a little more, uh, Vance will answer. And so we have several questions here. We don't know how many we'll get through, um, but I have my timer right here, and uh, I'm going to try to keep Pastor Vance accountable to stay within three right. minutes of these questions. So we got several questions from leaders, um, not only here in Vegas, but around the country, around the world. And so, uh, Vance, we will uh, jump into um, what we call our three-minute drill volume four. Here's the first question. 
Other, hey, before you start the clock yeah. on me, let me just say this, that if you are listening uh, to this podcast or watching it, uh, we would really encourage you to send us your questions. Yeah. Obviously, from today, you can tell we take those very serious. We love to speak to right where you're living, right where you're leading. So if you have a question, you can send it through. Uh, through Scott, I'm sure in the show notes we'll yep. put where you can send those questions. But we would love to hear from you and get your questions and speak directly to where you are. Yeah, and one of our listeners, real quick, here at Hope, um, he had sent in a question on something, and, and we answered it. We actually named him by name, and that week – at church, he came up to me and he was like, man, that was just so cool mm-hmm. to hear. So we've gotten that feedback too. People are like, I sent in a question and it got answered and I didn't <laughs> think it would. It will get answered eventually. Yep. Um, we would love to answer the questions of the leaders that are actually listening and on the ground in leadership positions. So uh, here's the first one. Other than team building activities, how do you get a team's culture from where it is to where you want it to be? As a leader, Vance, um, having led for over 30 years in, in pastoral leadership, how would you answer this question? Appreciated the question. Thanks to the listener who sent it in. Um, but uh, And there's a lot of ways you could go in answering this question. But I thought of four things or five things that I wanted to share just in response. And I'm going to get them in my three minutes. Uh, but for starters, if you're, if you're where you are, how do you get where you want to be from culture? Number one, you got to lead by example. Meaning as the leader... Um, if you want a particular culture, you don't get there just by talking about it. You, you get there by leading by example, living out that value, living out that, that aspect of your culture. I'll give you an example. One of the things that we want to have at Hope is we, we'd love to have a culture of gratitude. Something that I say often from the pulpit is, man, we want to be that, that one that got healed out of the 10 that came back and said thank you. So I think a culture of gratitude, the scripture says, in everything give thanks, which means as the leader, if I want to see a culture of gratitude, then I should be somebody who says thank you often. So I'm always looking, like this morning, for example, I pulled up on campus, got here early today, about 7.15 this morning, and we partner with uh, (laughs) the Las Vegas a criminal justice system, and we provide an outlet for a lot of people that are serving out their community service hours here in the city. And we had several volunteers already on site. You can tell on our campus they got the yellow vests on. They're they're serving in projects all over our campus. And I crossed path with two or three of those people that were here serving early this morning, and I made it a point to go to each one of them to say, hey, man, we really appreciate it. And I understand they're here serving out their community service volunteer hours. They have to do that. But we can still be grateful that they've chosen us to serve those out. And so I went to each one of them, just said thank you. Anytime I'm here on Sunday walking by volunteers, I try to say thank you. I try to express gratitude. And so it's leading by example. It will never simply become a part of your culture because you've talked about it or asked people to do it. They got to, the culture things are more caught than taught. And so they got to see you lead it by example. Number two, you got to lead through your vision frame. I'm going to struggle in three minutes on this one. We're going to lead through your vision frame. And when, when we use the term on this podcast, vision frame, it's really borrowing from, from Will Mancini's book, uh, Church Unique. If you had never read it, highly recommend it, where he describes the vision frame as four aspects, mission, values, strategy, and measures. Mission is the what we do. Values is why we do it. Strategy is how. And the measures is when we're successful. And so you got to lead through that vision frame. A lot of people have mission, vision, values, but they stick it up on a wall and then they never do anything with it. At Hope Church, we lead through our vision frame. We do an annual strategic planning process 
one of the four filters we use is our vision frame. We're always leading through that vision frame. And your vision frame really identifies the boundary of the culture that you're trying to create. So if you want to get it from where it is to where you want it to be, you got to lead through that vision frame. Number three, you got to hold your team leaders accountable to leading through the vision frame. It's one thing for you as the primary leader to lead through the vision frame, but if you're not holding that next level of leadership accountable to doing the same thing with their teams, then it'll never become a bottom-up culture in your organization. Number four, you got to celebrate culture-defining moments and accomplishments. When you see culture being fleshed out, you've got to celebrate it, whether it's a defining moment, whether it's an accomplishment. But what you know the old adage, what gets celebrated gets done. So you've got to figure out creative ways, and we'll maybe talk about that with one of the other questions that was sent in. But think about some creative ways to celebrate culture. And then number five, you got to emphasize culture in regular rhythms, your, your normal meeting structure process, whether that's one-on-ones, team meetings, or, or monthly whole group meetings, whatever that may be. You've got to learn to emphasize what you value and what culture you want to see established in those regular rhythms. Not bad. Four minutes. That's, that's not bad. Four minutes. I, when we started with the first one of five being two minutes, I was a little worried. But uh, hopefully if, when you, the person who asked that question, that really helps. Just give some practical handles to that. Uh, here's the second question, Vance, and I think this one really speaks into kind of where we're living in, in 2021. In today's cancel culture, it's a phrase everyone listening has heard of and uh, seen kind of all over culture, how should we respond when some we, somebody we admire in leadership says something crazy or wrong or inflammatory and, and their name is the one that's all over Twitter and it's someone that we've looked up to, we've respected, we've quoted. Um, I don't think the response for Christians is cancel. How should we respond? Yeah, great question. I wasn't expecting that one yet. I thought you were going to do number two before you went to that one. You skipped one. I did skip uh, one. Threw me a curveball. <laughs> but that's all right. It keeps me on my toes. Um, yeah, we're living in a tough day today. And listen, I, I got to be honest. It's hard for anybody to be in leadership right now at any level because everything you say is parsed. Everything you say is uh, put under the microscope. And one word here, one word there. And to be honest, we're really reaping the horrific um, impact of years of 24-hour news cycles. With all the news channels that are out there now, what they'll do, and you know this, it doesn't matter if you're watching Fox News, MSNBC, CNN, any one of them are guilty of this. They take one phrase out of something somebody said out of context, and they literally, for an entire 24-hour news cycle, sometimes 48 hours, will literally beat somebody to death. And so now in culture, we started doing that. We take something somebody says, um, and we immediately cancel them. We just simply do away with them. We don't give any credence to anything at all. And so how do we process that and what we're living in today? And I don't have the, the complete answer. I don't even profess to. But let me give you just a few thoughts. Number one, um, remember that no person, no man or woman in leadership is infallible. Only God's word is and I say that because if we're not careful, we begin to put people on a pedestal thinking that everything they say, because this happened for me in the last 12 to 15 months. I have two or three leaders that I've respected for years. I've quoted some of them many times in sermons. And with the last political cycle of the last 12 to 15 months, I've watched them take really harsh and hard stances 
based on their opinion more than rooted and grounded in the infallibility of Scripture. And boy, it just reminded me that none of us as human beings own the market on truth. And you just have to remember that as much as you may respect that leader, as much as that leader may have impacted your life, there will be some things that come out of their mouth that you don't agree with. There are going to be some things that that are going to be wrong or crazy or inflammatory uh, because it's just the nature of being human beings. That's who we are as human beings. Um, the second thing I would say is that it, 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 we can correct mistruth without attacking character mm. or personality, maybe is a better way to say it. Um, when we hear somebody that we respect say something that we, we think is crazy, we think, man, that's out of left field, or boy, that's not consistent with who they are. We don't have to begin to immediately attack them personally. We can correct what we think is a misstatement without having to make it personal and condemning them personally or their character. So you can correct mistruth without attacking character personally. Um, and I'll just, I wouldn't plan on this. I'll just give, I'll give a real transparent example. So um, I have two very good, well, one's a very good friend. One is somebody I've admired and respected for years. Only met him once. But, but when you take John MacArthur on one side, uh, who's somebody that I've respected, I look up to, he's shaped me much spiritually. And then you have my friend, Beth Moore, on the other side, who I have deep respect for. Uh, and, and Dr. MacArthur and Beth Moore have been at odds over the last year. Uh, Dr. MacArthur has said some things that I didn't particularly agree with, personally directed towards Beth Moore. Um, but I don't have to attack Dr. MacArthur personally to disagree with him and speak in a way that is, is, is uh, what I believe to be correcting uh, um, uh, 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 something that I would say would be wasn't true. I don't have to attack him personally. And it doesn't change the fact that he's deeply impacted my life for years, for decades, and somebody that I can learn a lot from. Um, which leads me to another thing I want to say. A life of spiritual impact is more than one defining moment. If that's not true, man, none of the characters in the Bible have a shot because every character in Scripture has major moments in their life that really, to be honest, in today's culture, we would do away with them, and yet the spiritual impact and legacy of their lives lives on. And so I think we have to be careful not to throw somebody out just because of one moment one and again I'm not talking about disqualifying moments in ministry Uh, even then though our hearts should be redemptive and not punitive Um, and then I would say lastly on this we need to be careful who we give platform to Uh, and by that if you're a leader when you quote somebody when you recommend somebody you're giving platform to them and I think we need to be very careful in this day who we're linking ourselves to because in the day that we live in, that can be really dangerous. Let me close. I know I'm, I'm, I'm way over on this one. Um, but I think it's important for where we're living yeah. today. And let me close with this note. So I was named after a man named Vance Havner. Vance Havner, one of the most quoted preachers of the last 100 years. Uh, my father knew him personally. I met Dr. Havner a couple of times. I know people that knew him personally. Uh, Vance Havner wrote uh, over 40 books um, he preached on multiple continents. He preached in thousands and thousands of churches, speak, spoke to millions of people, and is quoted by pastors everywhere. I'll never forget when I was a 12-year-old boy, Vance Havner was preaching at our church in Alabama. My dad asked Vance Havner, Dr. Havner, what is one thing I can pray for you? And here's what Dr. Havner said. He said, pray that I get home before dark. Huh. 
And what he meant by that was he built a lifetime of ministry. Because at this point, he was in his 70s. And he said, man, man, pray that I get home before I do something that would tarnish the ministry that God's given me. And, man, that's, that's, that, I think all of us need to have the humility of a man like Vance Havner, who after decades of leadership and ministry still knew that he was one decision, one statement away from discrediting um, and I think that spirit of humility would give us the right amount of grace to demonstrate towards somebody else when they do make that mistake, yeah. when they do say that wrong thing. So that's, that's what good. I'd say to that, Scott. That's good. This one comes, this next question comes from somebody uh, working in ministry. They, they're kind of at, at an odds with something they want some insight on, especially working in ministry. Here's the question, Vance. Where does the balance of grace and accountability come into play? Accountability appears to take a back seat to grace in many situations. Help me out here. Great question. Um, you know, two great tensions, uh, demonstrating grace and um, thinking about bringing accountability to a situation. And if you think about both of these in extremes, grace in extreme becomes a form of liberalism where there are no boundaries, no parameters. It's license. Accountability to an extreme becomes a, a form of legalism where your boundaries become the boundaries for everybody. Um, Jesus spoke about grace and truth, uh, which I think is the kind of tension that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, so in thinking about the terms grace and accountability, and to be honest, I've never really thought about them in this context until somebody asked the question this way. Let me say three things about it. Number one, grace is my heart towards a wrong that's been repented of. And obviously that's aspirational. What, when, when there's been a wrong done and they've repented of that wrong, in my heart what should be there towards them that would be redemptive is God's grace. So grace is my heart towards a wrong that's been repented of. Accountability is my help towards a right new direction. So Grace is, is, is my response to someone who's repented of a wrong, but accountability are the boundaries that you bring in place to help them now move in a right direction. So I think that's one way they fit together. Secondly, grace pursues the individual. Grace pursues that person. Grace is what's redemptive in my heart. Grace is what God does in our lives when we fail, when we, we're wrong. Grace pursues us. But accountability is designed to protect us. Grace pursues us when we're wrong, but accountability is designed to protect us from making that wrong decision. And then the third thing I would say is grace is about the past. Grace looks backwards and covers my past, where accountability is trying to look forward and secure my future. It's trying to, to shape a better outcome than where I've been before. So I think we need grace, obviously, because we are going to fail. We're going to do wrongs. We're going to get out of step. We need grace, but grace without accountability doesn't change the course of where I'm going. Accountability without grace can become a performance-based mentality. So I think we need both of those things um, as we lead others. Grace to look back and, and, and be redemptive and, and accountability to, to change course and look to a brighter future. That's awesome. Moving on, another question from a listener. Um, and this is back to kind of leading in current culture. I think a lot of people 
Um, maybe had some leadership things shooken up a little bit uh, in 2020, 2021. Uh, what is the most challenging part, Vance, of leading in our current culture or climate? Uh, any advice for someone just starting? I can imagine um, <laughs> may, maybe that would be helpful for listeners. Yeah. <laughs> if you're just starting, run. Go do something else. Uh, what would you say a person just starting yeah. in? I mean, we talked about cancer culture already. Like, we are living in some, in some yeah. pretty tumultuous times. Uh, talk to us about leadership and, and what's the most challenging part. Yeah, obviously, leadership in any season has its challenges. It also has its benefits and its joys, but leadership has its challenges. But the days that we're living in today are definitely challenging times. Um, I have been in ministry leadership for going on 31 years, 20 years of that here in Las Vegas at Hope Church, the prior decade plus uh, in churches in the Bible Belt, but ministry leadership for 31 years. And Never before last year have I ever seriously, I mean, yeah, there are those days you want to quit, but I mean, last year, seriously, I thought, okay, am I done? Like, is it time to tap out? Is it time to pass the baton? Um, If you're in leadership, man, I just want to, I want to, first of all, just encourage you. You're not alone. There's a lot of us who didn't know if we were going to make it through the last 12 months. It's been incredibly challenging one of the things that made it so challenging was um like I said I've been in Vegas for 20 years we've had some challenging circumstances but I always knew what was right and when I know what's right I'm ready for the consequences whatever they may be I'm okay with them the problem with the challenges and the complexity of leadership today is right and wrong is not always so clear and here's what I mean by that last year with the pandemic should we close should we open? Should we mask? Should we not mask? Should we encourage vaccines? Should we not encourage vaccine? All these questions. It wasn't necessary. It didn't like to say the Bible says close on in March and open in September. Like it wasn't that clear cut. These were very difficult questions. When you thought about it, the, the political landscape with uh, the racial tension that was, do I say something? Do I not say something? If I say something, how do I say something? And when do I say something? And what's the appropriate thing to say? And all of those questions make it really challenging. And so I begin to think about what, why is that, why does that, why is that so unique to where we're living right now? And I think one of the reasons it's so unique to where we're living right now is really, I can summarize it in two statements. Two reasons why I think um, the most challenging leadership question of this day is applying biblical truth to contemporary issues because of number one, the cross-cultural component that we live in in America. America is a changing landscape. And by 2043, demographers say there'll be no majority population in America, meaning we'll be a nation of minorities. And with with different cultures come different perspectives, uh, come p- different political ideologies. And whereas in, in, in much leadership in the past in America, America has been historically uh, not better. It's just been more homogenous. Now, America, I think in a beautiful way, is becoming a cross-cultural expression of what humanity looks like. But that does bring its own set of challenges in the application of truth because not everybody sees something from the same perspective. Not everybody has the same past experience. Not everybody has the same cultural upbringing. And so the day that we're living in today of applying uh, biblical truth to a, in a cross-cultural context is going to be challenging. It's going to be difficult. I heard a pastor 
uh, from New York named Rich Viotis say, pastoring a multicultural church means it is also multi-political and multi-theological, which means it's multi-difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that has been the, if you look at the landscape of, of ministry leadership in America, it's been the exception for a church to be multicultural, not the norm. Most churches are white churches, black churches, Hispanic churches, Korean churches. But what's happening is the pendulum is swinging. The multicultural church, which is not a new thing, by the way, it's a New Testament thing, is becoming more normative in the church in America, and it's becoming more normative in, in all societies in America and all, all subcultures in America, that, that the application of biblical truth requires us uh, dying to our cultural preferences and perspectives and coming to biblical truth uh, purely for the application in a cross-cultural context. The second thing I think that's changing in America that makes it challenging is that if you look back historically, again, not that it was always a right interpretation of it, but America has held this ideal of being a Judeo-Christian nation. And we are rapidly becoming not that as America. So when you have a country that we're now living in that is not rooted and grounded in a biblical worldview, it, it changes the way that you um, have to navigate the application. It doesn't mean that God's truth isn't still God's truth. God's truth is God's truth, and it does need to be taught, but it does bring with it another set of complexities as you begin to navigate that. I think one of the most important books of the Bible for believers in the next 20 to 40 years in America is going to be the book of Daniel. Mm. Because Daniel, we have enjoyed as Christians in America being a spiritual majority. Daniel is a book where believers were a spiritual minority and a cultural majority. That's what's happening in America. America is becoming a spiritual majority that's non-Christian, and believers will be a spiritual minority and that's going to be a challenging way to lead. For example, I have a son who is uh, surrendered his life to children's ministry. And I've encouraged my son to get a degree uh, in, in, from a secular university that he can use as a career path. Because I'm not sure that 10, 20, 30 years from now, there will be career opportunities in ministry in America for men who are devoted to children's ministry. Not that he can't do children's ministry. It just may be that churches may not be able to afford a children's pastor. He may have to have a vocation that, that co-vocationally allows him to do ministry. And so I think the church is going to have to begin to think differently. I think Christian leaders in business um, are going to have to to, to, to navigate those waters in business and in the corporate world and the educational domain uh, in challenging ways as we bring biblical convictions to leadership in a world that is becoming more and more non-Christian. That's awesome. We'll close with uh, one more question, um, and this one specifically in the area of, of team leaders. Um, this person wants just some, some ideas to celebrate a team. So here's the question. What are some creative ways to celebrate team accomplishments. We'll close with this one today, Vance. This guy's wanting to know, or this guy's wanting to know, uh, how do I celebrate in a creative way when my team does well? What advice would you give them as we close today? Yeah, I'll give you two. Um, One is something we do here at Hope Church called Second Monday. Second Monday every month, uh, the the second Monday of every month, we come together for two hours, and we really do five things. We worship together, we pray together, 
We look at use bring a leadership challenge. We fellowship over food. And then the fifth thing we always do is we celebrate wins. And so we bring the whole team together because a lot of times you don't know even what's going on in somebody else's area, depending on the size of the team that you lead. At Hope Church, we've got 60 to 80 people on our staff team. And so we got a larger team of individuals, multiple teams working within the bigger team. And so we take about 20, 30 minutes, and we just around the room with a microphone, and we celebrate wins. You say, what's a win? A win, we define it as mission-accomplishing moments. So it goes back to what we talked about earlier about celebrating what, what gets celebrated gets done. One of the ways we do that is through Second Mondays. We pray together. We worship together. We do a leadership challenge. We fellowship around food. But then we celebrate wins together. Uh, and that's defined those, those, those um, mission-accomplishing moments. Uh, and it's always my favorite part, Scott, of Second Monday because I'm hearing things around the room uh, that, that where God is using us to accomplish the mission that he's given us, and I literally had no idea these things were taking place. It's just awesome to be able to celebrate those. And when people get to share and celebrate, it's awesome to watch their reaction as the team reacts to what's happening there. So uh, that's one of the things we do is what we call Second Monday, where we literally celebrate wins, and different teams share those wins. They shout out to each other. And it's always cool when one team celebrates the win of another team and how God's using them. Like I know at this past one, um, somebody from one of our teams uh, gave a shout out to our Next Gen team because of some really cool stuff that was happening in the Next Gen area of ministry. And the shout out, the celebration of the win didn't come from a Next Gen team member. It came from somebody else. Watching another team acknowledge that win, I thought was really cool. Another way that we celebrate uh, accomplishments uh, here at Hope Church is, is we do that through uh, having a culture of honor where we honor longevity. And so at, at, at ministry milestones, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, we always do what a lot of people do. We celebrate those moments. But one of the things that we add that I think is unique and creative is we personalize those moments to the individual. For example, um, if you listen to the podcast regularly, you know I'm from Alabama. You know I'm an Alabama Crimson Tide fan. You know that uh, I would never, ever, ever, ever purchase anything that has anything to do with Auburn because you just don't do that if you're an Alabama Crimson Tide <laughs> fan. But I have an executive pastor who just celebrated 15 years uh, who's not an Auburn guy, but he is a big Bo Jackson guy. And so as a part of his celebrating this ministry milestone, we bought him an um, autographed jersey of Bo Jackson. You say, why would you do that? Because it's, it's, per, it's not just giving them a gift card. It's, it's speaking their love language, mm -hmm. if you will. It's celebrating the win. It's honoring something we value, which is longevity. But it's doing it in a way that's personal to the individual that speaks into what uh, they value. That's awesome. Well, I hope that was helpful for you. Those are kind of five or six different questions in different areas of leadership. Again, these are things that we do once or twice a year. And so if you have questions, if, if maybe even some of these conversations spark some questions in you, uh, you can let us know all the information is in the show notes. Easiest way is just to DM uh, Pastor Vance on Instagram or Twitter um, or hit me up on, uh, on either of those platforms as well. And, uh, yeah, we'd love to answer your question. And, uh, man, we are jumping into the fall. We will catch you next month in October of 2021. Hope you're doing well wherever God has you leading. And we will catch you next month on the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. Thanks again for joining us today for the Vance Pittman Leadership Podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard, we would love to help spread the word. You can drop a comment on YouTube, leave a review on your favorite podcast app, 
or share this episode on your social media. Thanks again for joining us.